College baseball fans, it's time for the D1 Baseball Podcast with Mike Rooney, Aaron Fitt, and Kendall Rogers. Let's win every podcast. Now, here's the pride of the Newtown Edgemont Little League, Coach Rooney. Hello and welcome to the 38 Minutes of Heaven we call the D1 Baseball Podcast. I am your host, Michael Patrick Rooney. Today's podcast brought to you by our good friends at S2 Cognition. S2 Cognitions delivers a revolutionary approach to helping athletes understand how in-game decisions impact their performance from youth to pro. And we uh, thanks again to our friends at S2 Cognition. They've got great stuff over there, and we really appreciate the support and the partnership. Uh, I am with my two good friends, Kendall Rogers and Aaron Fit. And boys, we've got a very special guest today. We've got sixth-year head coach Rob Vaughn of the University of Maryland. And uh, Coach Vaughn, let me start with this. How is it that you are so young and this is year six for you at Maryland? How is that even possible? Man, I tricked somebody into it back in 2018. Uh, goodness gracious, I know it's it's crazy. This is my 11th year at Maryland. You know, starting year 11, six is going into my sixth year as a head coach. It's it's wild. I, I turned 35 a couple weeks ago and shoot, I've got baby number two coming out here in about two weeks. So so we're we're rolling. You are definitely an older 35-year-old than, than I am as a 40-year-old with no kids here, right? <laughs> My, my beard hair keeps turning grayer and grayer. That's, that's a red flag I got going. Uh, Kendall, you got the trick on the beard. Your beard is dark as the night. Well done. I try, you know, people always ask me like, Hey, do you, do you like finally trim it? Not really, man. It's going to go with the flow. If it, if it works, it works. Guys, this is a great podcast. On one side of the screen, we've got two uh, native born Easterners. And on the left side of the podcast, we've got two Texans. This is uh parts of the country clashing today. Coach Vaughn, let me start with this question. So you guys are obviously coming off what I would consider the best um, season in program history. Even though the 14 and 15 teams advanced to Super Regionals, those teams that you were part of had to go on the road. It was a road show to pull that off. You guys win 48 games. You win the Big Ten outright. You host a regional. I want to talk about hosting the regional because it was – you know, as, as you were, it's coming down the stretch and people are thinking, man, can Maryland really host a regional there? And, and as I'm told the story, you kind of put your foot in the dirt and said, let's do this. Like this could be an advantage for us. So I, I, as we look back on it now on TV, the atmosphere looked amazing, but you lived it. What, tell us about the decision to host and how it turned out. Yeah. You know, you're, you're exactly right. You know, I think the boys put themselves in a really good position and, Home field advantage is a real thing. We saw that, you know, in 14 and 15 when we had to go to UVA for the Supers. And, you know, all year this year we had we had fans turning out, lots of lots of good crowds. Uh, there's no secret the Terps like to hit homers, and our place is a good place to hit some homers. And so it was a situation that we kind of walked into, um, you know, knowing how much it mattered to be able to stay home, to sleep in your own bed, to be kind of in the place you're most familiar with. And so I went to our administration and – we had conversations, you know, there was a lot of explorations. They looked at Bowie, which is a double A team for the, uh, for the O's. They looked up in Aberdeen, um, which is another O's affiliate. You know, they explored Nats Park and that one was kind of gaining some traction, um, which is a gorgeous stadium. You guys haven't been there. It's unbelievable, but it's not college baseball. And what college baseball is, is, is rowdy fans. It's, it's a great environment. It's a place where it's hard to come in and win. And, so I, I, I sat down with them and I said, guys, I'm going to be honest with you. I'd, I'd rather go on the road as a one seed or I'd rather go somewhere else than, than play in that park because we're going to have four or 5,000 people in a, in a 40,000 seat park. Um, and to their credit, they said, all right, let's figure out a way to do it. And shoot, we brought in lighting. 
Um, we started having conversations about, hey, how can we get more people in here? Because the first conversation was, you know, we'll have it and we'll have 2,000 people and we'll sell that and it'll be cool. And I said, boys, we're going to get a heck of a lot more than that. And so they brought in the stands into left field and shoot, we sold out every game we played in. And the crowds were about as electric as it's been, man. I, I still remember standing in center field for that last Monday game against UConn in the regional final. And I could see over the stadium, kind of out into the parking lot. And uh, there was a line of people as far as you could see waiting to get into the game. And I flashed back 11 years ago, um, not not knowing if that would ever happen, just just facility-wise and understanding what we had. And I tell you what, props to them for finding a way to get it done. It it wasn't the prettiest, but that's who we are, man. It's grit, it's toughness, and and it, and it fit with who we are. And the crowd turned out, and it was it was an unbelievable environment. And, and Coach Sheff always used to talk about that, too, when he was in Maryland. You know, uh, I remember the first time he took me around the facility there, and, and I'm thinking, like, okay, all right, this is what we got. And he goes, you know what, like, if, if you're the kind of kid who needs some flashy facility or whatever uh, to come play college baseball, then this just isn't the right place for you. You know, you, yeah. this is we, we want the blue-collar kids who – so I'm curious, first of all, how you were able to, to build on that uh, when it came to recruiting and, and building, you know, these, these, this is a really good team. I mean, you had a lot, and you've had a lot of talent repeatedly now, you know, for, for an extended period of time. You guys have really gotten guys who can play the game, guys who, who go to the major leagues. Um, how? How do you do that, first of all? And secondly, has there been discussion that's maybe gaining traction after this past season about doing more with facilities? Yeah, you know, I think it's a good question. I, I've been asked that question a few times. And Jeff Mercer over at Indiana actually said this, and, you know, he was hitting the, in the shell out in left field, which was – a temporary structure put up 15 years ago when coach Backage was here and it's still kicking right now. Um, but he was hitting in there with the, uh, with, with his guys here last year. And he said, Rob, he said, I know you want nicer. I know you want flashier, but he said the wrong kid says no to this place because of this facility. And so, man, I, my whole life, it's been one of those things. It's, it's been figured out. This is what we got figured. We can sit and suck our thumb in the corner and wish we were playing at duty noble, or we can say, this is us. This is who we are. This is how we're going to do it. And and we we care about two things here, and it's it's culture and development. And that's been our our pitch to kids. You know, I, I tell every family that I talk to, I tell every kid that I talk to that I don't believe in selling Maryland. We don't we don't do these campus tours and show them all this flashy stuff, A, because we don't have a ton of it, but B, because that's just not who we are as people. You look at Coach Swope and how he develops our hitters. You look at Coach Morrison and Coach Papio and what they've done those guys are not flashy dudes. They're guys that love working. They're guys that care about people. And, and I think that's been our, our unique thing. We're, we're in a really weird place in college baseball, some good, some bad, and the transfer portal taking over the world in college athletics. And, and we've tried to really go all in on getting the right people. And I think we've done a pretty good job of that. That's, that's a tireless project. That's hours on the phone by my assistant coaches trying to get to the root of the kid. And sometimes it's hard to look past talent. You know, we obviously have to have talent to win. There's no secret about that. But at the same time, we've got to filter them through the right kind of people and the right kind of kids. And I think we've done that at a pretty high level over the last few years. And, and uh, you know, like you said, I thought we had a really talented group last year. I think we got a really talented group coming in this year. Um, and, and I think that's how we've done it is, is this is who we are. This is how we do things. And, the law of attraction plays out, man, and like-minded people are drawn to it, and, and that's kind of how we've done it so far. Do, do you think that when you look at what you guys have been able to build in Maryland, do you think kind of your background at Kansas State kind of factors into the, hey, 
we're not going to make excuses because if you if you kind of look back at you know your last year at Kansas State, you guys make a regional, and you know I, I know people kind of remember the fact that KSU made a super regional a few years late, you know later with you know Mike Clement and Ross Kivett and Blair DeBoard and all those guys. But I mean, this is a program that from your last year at Kansas State, they went four out of five years making the NCAA tournament. So, do you think the fact that you guys kind of built things at Kansas State as a uh, your final year as a player? kind of prepared you for a job like this? Because back then, I mean, Kansas State's facilities today are totally different than they were in 2009. Do you think that kind of prepared you for this a little bit? No question, Kendall. I mean, you know you know me. I'm a Texas guy. My dream was to go to uh, play baseball at Texas A&M. That's where my dad played. That was my lifelong dream was to play there. Um, and I just didn't have the opportunity. I wasn't good enough. I wasn't big enough. It wasn't the right fit. And, you know, Sean McCann um, took a chance on me at K-State, and Brad Hill gave me an opportunity. And um, went there, and you're exactly right. We at that time when we went there, there had never that school had never been to a regional. That was the first regional of school history was in '09, and they sold all of us that group with guys like Trevor Hurley, Byron Wiley, um, you know, some of those guys, AJ Morris, on coming in and being the first group to kind of knock that door down. Um, and I take a lot of pride in that. Looking back at what they did and looking back at that facility now, knowing that we were kind of a a piece of that puzzle. We were the kind of the piece that started that puzzle. And we have something we say around here all the time. And we say building traditions more rewarding than simply having it. And there's nothing wrong with the blue bloods, man. The, the blue bloods of college baseball are there for a reason. Great coaches, great history, but man, building something is, is really special. And I felt like I got a chance to do that as a player at K state. Um, like you said, without the flashy stuff, I mean, we were rolling down to, to Dish Falk and over to Bluebell Park. Like, we didn't have the fancy stuff then. Um, and now, obviously, they've got the Taj Mahal in there. But, uh, but you know, we roll into Maryland. It was the same thing. And it's never been who I am as a person. I don't ever want – even if even if we do that here, when we get a $20 million facility that's shiny and bright, I hope that never changes because I think that's what's allowed us to, to be tough, to be gritty, and to – to kind of take that mantra on as a team. Hey, Rob, I want to fast forward to the the Big Ten, which has become such a fascinating conference in college baseball. I always think about 2012 when Purdue under Doug Schreiber, you know, Jeff Duncan's assistant, they host that regional. They have that fierce rivalry with Indiana. Then Indiana pops an Omaha run, Illinois in 2015. I mean, it's so easy to forget that, they hosted Vandy and Dansby Swanson in that Super Regional. I mean, I looked it up before I got on the call, like Champagne Super Regional, right? Like it just it, it, it got amazing. And then, you know, 2019 is like the coup de grace where Michigan is playing in the game to win the national championship. And outside of the success that you guys have had and Rutgers have had, it has been you know, almost just if I was going to be harsh, I'd say it's the opposite direction since then. You know, 2020, we have to throw out 2021, I would say as a college baseball person, just secluding yourselves was a mistake. And, you know, you look at that, you guys played great in a regional, Nebraska played awesome in that regional, almost took Arkansas down, but nobody knew because you guys hadn't played anybody else. And then last year, you only get two teams in, which was just, you know, shocking and eye popping. So it's a long way of getting to the question, hey, you've got all this TV money coming into the conference, you got USC and UCLA. I would argue you've got some really exciting coaching hires. What you guys and Rutgers are doing are super exciting. But the fact is, it's two teams in last year's NCAA tournament. What, what in your opinion or, or the coach's opinion, what's the path forward for the league? Yeah, I think, I think those are great points. And I think, you know, when COVID hit in 2020, 
Um, you know, you go pre that we we were a league that was getting four teams in pretty much every. I can't say every year, but pretty you could kind of mark five us down sometimes. Like four, yeah, four. yeah. And then we had a year that Ohio State ended up winning the league. We got five in. You know, and so that we were kind of moving that direction. Twenty twenty hit, obviously upended college athletics in general for a year. 2021 set us back and there's no question. And and I think everybody in our league from the commissioner on down would tell you, you know, at the time, shoot, we were dealing with some crazy stuff. And I think they had to make the decision that they felt was the right decision at that time. But that decision had some consequences. And I think we're still trying to recover out of that thing, you know, and I think that's why you look at 21 and, or I'm sorry, 22 here, Rutgers was elite. The fact that that team wasn't in an NCAA tournament is one of the more laughable things I've ever seen. I mean, what Steve's done and what he's built with his coaches there, I mean, it, it's very similar to what we're doing. You know, they don't have the shiny stuff. They don't have the shiny facilities, but they've got tough kids from Jersey that play hard that are really good players. And so that was our conversation this summer. Commissioner Warren actually met with us this summer and said, hey, we we understand as a conference that we're not where we need to be in the baseball landscape. We should be in a better spot. How can I help? And I feel like that's the first step. When you get the commissioner taking time to come in and sit down and say, hey, we recognize this and we're here to do something to change it. How can we assist you? Let's go. That That's a huge first step. So um, all the conversations we've been having since then have been revolving around that, you know, talking about, you know, we haven't had instant replay in our league. We have it in the in the postseason um, in the NCAA tur- or I'm sorry, in the conference tournament. But we don't have it on site during the season. And we've we've pulled, you know, Eric Backage's Michigan team is not in Omaha. If it's not for instant replay, they had a huge double play overturned in the tournament that allowed them to come back and win that game when that game would have been over. And you look up a month and a half later and there they are playing Vandy in the in a, in a game three for the for the winner take all 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 game there. So. We're trying to move the needle. We understand. I think you're exactly right. I think the coaches in this league are the best parts of this league. I mean, Will Bolt is an unbelievable coach. Rick Heller is one of the best over at Iowa. You look at some of the new hires that they brought in, some of the excitement. Steve Owens is an absolute winner. Dan Hartley's played in huge games. I mean, you can go up and down the the lineup of guys, and and there there's good coaches. There's good baseball in our mission is to say, like, how, how can we get this broadcast out to everybody, you know, and how can we continue to move move ourselves forward as a conference? Because the product on the field is way too good to to kind of get two teams in, to be that, that best piece. But what I say all the time is people don't really care what you say. They care what you do. And the reality is, is you know, the Big Ten being on the wrong side and maybe some votes back a few years ago reflects – reflects that maybe baseball's not a huge priority and we've all recognized that but I think the beauty is I think Commissioner Warren's committed to to help us fix that and we've begun taking steps and in the fact that he cares I think is a huge first step for us you mentioned you mentioned the uh instant replay thing in the postseason helping Michigan now you guys, of course, in your regional, which was as we've talked about just an electric regional to watch on tv oh you're getting going the atmosphere was awesome. Uh, there was a controversial, at least one controversial moment, but I'm thinking of the, the, the play at first base, of course, with the, the interfer- uh, interference call, I believe it was. Um, first of all, I thought you handled it extremely graciously, which, of course, is no surprise to anyone who knows you. But, I mean, your comments after the game, just reading about it and seeing the clip, I mean, first class all the way. But I want to ask you, first of all, 
do you do you feel like it's time for you know like a double base situation like softball i think has has, has explored or um or or are there other rule changes and on-field things that you would like to see yeah i i texted kendall the second that happened in the world series too and that and that safety squeeze play and i'm like we gotta fix this i mean it's the most it's just a ridiculous rule. I mean, you run in foul territory for 88 feet, then you have to jump back into fair. T- it's it's just a bad rule. And, you know, very honestly, I think the reason I handled it so so well um, is I didn't see the video of it. I just assumed Bubba was running inside the grass and, and probably was the right call when it was rude. When I saw the video an hour later, I was a little hotter about it. But, um, you know, I think the reality of that situation is our team, man, that team just didn't lose a lot you know, and, and they knew how to win and they believed they went. So as bad as that play was in such a big spot, I still thought we were going to win. And we had no arms left in the bullpen. We had zero. So in my head, I'm like, Hey, I got to stick around here. <laughs> Me getting tossed out of this game probably doesn't do us any favors. I got to stick around because we're going to have to manage the end of this game and figure out how we're going to, you know, head out to Palo Alto next weekend. Um, and unfortunately we came up a little bit short, but tough, tough play. I think, what I said after the game, I think is true, but by the letter of the law, the way it's written, that was interference. I think it's, I, I just don't like the rule. You know, I, I think there's, there's a lot of other things that need to factor into the decision in that moment. Um, and the application of the rule wasn't wrong as much as I didn't like it. It wasn't wrong. I just don't like the rule. And so is it a second base? I, I don't know. I'm, I'm young, but I still, I'm still a little bit more old school in my thought. I don't, I don't love the idea of us throwing a yellow or an orange bag on the other side and running through it. But at the same time, that, that regional, who knows, may have ended up very differently. Bubba safe there with the, I mean, that crowd was as raucous as it gets Mm -hmm. when, when we scored right there and would have been down one with the top four order up and Bubba on base. So who knows kind of how that would have played out right there. Um, But, you know, there's a lot of stuff. I, I get that, you know, baseball in general is really obsessed with pace of play stuff right now, you know, and, you know, we have the 20 seconds between between pitches and and that's just continuing to kind of get expedited. What's going to happen this year is even a, a little bit more drastic version of that. Um, and it's kind of creating these fake pick throw things that everybody hates watching. Um, so they're trying to address that and fix that. It just me personally, I don't love it. I, I mean, I don't think seven minutes off a game is going to determine somebody watching it or not watching it, you know, but. But but all the numbers say that that's what they want to do, and that's kind of the direction they're going. So that is what it is. I just I, I would love to see that rule thrown out as as I would think most every coach in college baseball would. Um, but but that's not happening. So like I said before, our job is to f- find a way to work within the parameters, and I think you're going to see a lot more teams with kind of those watches like Vanderbilt had, or some version of Coach Com, Pitch Com, something else, and and that is what it is. Um, that's just where it's going right now, but. Yeah, that uh, that play back in back in June, I, I get asked about it a lot, and my heart rate goes up about every single time. <laughs> it's not healthy. Oh gosh. Hey, Kendall, before we segue to your last question, and this is perfect that we have Rob here for this. So we've got a new partner, which we're super pumped up about, and that's the ABCA, which obviously is a, you know an institution or a game. And so, want to encourage any coaches that are listening, make your plans to join the baseball world in Nashville for the ABCA annual convention and trade show. 
It's this January, the 5th through the 8th, 2023, at the Gaylord Opryland in Nashville. Uh, the ABA show is the biggest and best baseball weekend of the year. There's just no question about it. Um, and the guys at the ABCA are telling us this will be the largest in the 79-year history of the event. We have our hotel rooms for D1 Baseball. We want to encourage you guys to get yours before they fill up. The early bird registration deadline is October 14th. And for more information and to sign up, you can visit abca.org. It's an awesome weekend. It's, you know, I could argue, I wouldn't say this in front of my wife, I could argue it's my favorite weekend of the year. Just so awesome. <laughs> you know, it, it's the, the event just pours into you. You know, the people you get to reconnect with. The, I, I don't know if you would agree with this, guys, but when – the first talk, the national championship coach gets to kick it off with that morning talk. I get chills every time. I, I, I think about that coach, and I, I don't know. So um, there, there you go. But we're, we are so pleased to be joined by the uh, uh, ABCA as a, a new partner. So, KR, Runes, oh, oh, go ahead, Fitzy. Runes, you're the biggest nerd I know, and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> take, take that, Etheridge. Yes, Kyle. Runes, what, nerd. Hey, Runes, what day of the ABCA are you signing autographs? Oh my gosh. Yeah. I'll be there Monday afterwards for anyone that, that couldn't, yeah. their flights got canceled. I'll sign autographs <laughs> for that group. Hey Rob, I have a question. You, you know, you mentioned Steve Owens and he's certainly done an incredible job at Rutgers. You look at the job that he did at Brian, you talked about Will Bolton, some others and some other coaches in the big 10, but I, I, can't, I guess kind of either going back as a player with Brad Hill or going back as an assistant at Maryland before you became the head coach, like who were maybe a couple of coaches that whether, you know, when you're a player or you're a young assistant that you always kind of lost and you're like, you know what, like I want to be my own man when I'm a head coach, but like I would like to model myself a little bit after that guy. Like who are a couple of coaches in college baseball or even in professional ball that you always kind of looked up to in that regard? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Kendall, you know, I'm not in coaching if it's not for Andy Sawyers um, down at Southeast Missouri. Um, you know, Andy came in my senior year at K-State as our hitting coach. He had just spent time with Matt Deggs and Rob Childress down at A&M, and he comes in as our hitting coach. And I tell you what, that guy um, really showed me what it looked like to be able to love somebody well, but if you really love them well, you're going to challenge the heck out of them and believe in them and make them the best version of who they could be in. You know, he he is he's my guy. When I look up and say, like, who's the guy I look to? Who's the guy you you credit your career for? Like, I'm not in coaching stuff for him. I was a mechanical engineering major at K-State. Who knows? I'd probably be sitting behind a desk or doing some kind of thing had it not been for him. And, you know, he believed in me, loved me. He he taught me the ropes. And and, and so, you know, when I went, if I wouldn't have got drafted, I was going to come back as a student assistant right away. Um, and he told my parents that one time. He said, he said, you know, your son's going to be a college baseball coach, right? And they're like, no, he's not. He's going to be in the <laughs> no, I'm telling you, he is. Um, and so he's my guy. I mean, I talk to him often. He actually called me about three minutes ago while we were on this podcast. I had to mute his own call. So sorry there, Sawdog. But he's my guy, you know. <laughs> and I think through him, you know, Brad Hill gave me my first opportunity to come back as a volunteer. And then, and then John Sheff. I was 25 years old and – I was a volunteer at K-State. I was getting ready to go to Pratt Junior College to be the hitting coach. And he offered me a job to come up here as a recruiting coordinator in the SEC and I was 20 or in the ACC and I was 25 years old. I mean, I wasn't prepared. I wasn't ready, but he believed in me and gave me a chance. And and if it's not for John Chef, there's there's no way I'm sitting in this chair right now. So those guys I'm really close with. And then I've never coached for him. I've never played him, but one guy that I still call very often or when I need something, if I need some crazy ideas, is Matt Dex. I mean, that guy and yeah. his idea of the pack is something that 
that we've run with. You can see I got my wolves in the background. They're here. Yes. They're with so I'll be proud of you for that one. That's, I tell you, that's that's stuck with <laughs> that's something Sawdog brought to K-State when we were there, and I saw what it did for us, and we brought that here, and we've run it for 11 years up here. So those are some of the guys that I think, you know, you look towards your mentors, you look to to the guys you owe your career to. Um, it's guys like that, you know, and, and Sean McCann, the chance on a – 5'10", 170-pound catcher from Texas to, to go up to K-State back then. Um, it, I'm not in coaching if it's not for those guys. And, and man, I owe it all to those, those dudes. Got to love it. Hey, Rob, this was awesome, as we knew it would be. We really appreciate your time. We are fired up for to, to hear how fall ball goes for you guys. Keep recruiting those Philly kids. Go Eagles. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> yes, yes, that's right. Bubba Lean, by the way, Philly guy. Malvern now, now Prep, to be specific. Yeah, he's Chester Hill Academy. He went to the wrong school, but he's in the right league. So we got that going for us. So, hey, good luck this fall. Again, congrats on an awesome 22 season, and we're looking forward to to hearing how it's going this fall for sure. Awesome, fellas. Thanks for everything you guys do, man. You guys are phenomenal. I appreciate you guys. You got it, Rob. See you soon, bud. Be good, Rob. All right.